weekly message from Encounter, where your past has no future and hope is reborn. Here is today's special guest speaker. And again, we, um, I have long felt that um, in the modern church, way too much emphasis has been put on the pastor. I think that it's been a mistake to feel like or to believe that the church rises and falls on the person in the pulpit. It was never intended to be that way. This idea that, that the church body is there to support my ministry is absolutely diametrically opposed to what scripture says bible says that god gave evangelists pastors prophets apostles and teachers to the church for the perfecting of the saints for their work in the ministry here's the truth anybody who holds a leadership position in the church is there for you not to do for you, but to help you do. And, um, and I, I, I firmly believe, I was talking to somebody this week about some of our belief systems here at the church, and I firmly believe that lifestyle evangelism is the calling of God in all of our lives. We are all called to be witnesses. We're, a witness simply tells what they know or what they've experienced or what they've seen. And we can all do that. God's done something in my life, and I can share that with you. And this morning, we have a special rendition of that. We have five minutes of fire. We've got a couple of people that are brand spanking new. This is their first time, so keep them in prayer. And, um, and let's just see what God has to say to us. Ira, you're first. Good morning, everybody. It's going to be fun. Uh, sometimes it's scary, but this will be fun. I think it'll be good. Anybody ever see that Pixar movie, Up? I love that movie. I think one of my favorite parts in there is when they stumble across the talking dog, and he's talking, squirrel! And just all of a sudden, he just stops, and it's like, now that's a catchphrase. You see it throughout the movie. I do it all the time, too, when I'm talking to people. I love it. You know, I, I found something. It, it's a story in the Bible. And I think I, we'll just read it and then I'll get into it. Uh, we are in Mark 11, 12 through 14. Now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, it's referring to Jesus and the disciples. This is actually right after Jesus and the disciples came into town on Palm Sunday. This was by no coincidence. So they're coming out now. They've already had, he's already been celebrated as the king. He left that night. They stayed in Bethany. Now they're coming back out of Bethany. He was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. I always thought that was weird. Why would, 
why would he curse a fig tree because it didn't have fruit? And this says it wasn't in season, but there, there's something that's not left in the Bible to give us a backstory. But if you do a little bit of research, you'll see it. Travelers would actually stop and they would pick figs off the trees and that's their food as they were traveling. So they didn't have to carry a lot with them. But they also didn't have to wait for a full ripe season for these fig trees. It was actually during this time when they had leaves, they would start to have those fig fruits where they could eat them that weren't a full fig. So there was no uncommon reason for him to look, see leaves and say, oh, there's got to be food on that. I'm going to go get food. But I always thought it was weird. He cursed it. And I was like, why would he do that? I know in Matthew, the same story's there, and it presents, they gives an explanation to it, and it tells us that Jesus goes on to say, basically, you'll do things better than this. He doesn't even talk about it actually not producing fruit. But I had, had a revelation. It was a squirrel moment for Jesus. If you realize, right after this story, he was actually going back into Jerusalem. That's where he was headed when he got up. And he was actually going to go in. This is where he told all the parables, did all the teaching, and cleaned out the temple right after Palm Sunday. So everybody in Jerusalem has established him as king. He walks in, and he's going to teach. But this is where he was going. He had an important thing to do, and this tree distracted him because this tree put up that it should have fruit, and it didn't have fruit, so he got sidetracked to go eat. It's not his fault. It was a tree. That's why he cursed the tree. I thought it was pretty interesting. Now, let's put it in common day terms. Think you're driving down the road. You're like, mm, I really want one of those hot fudge sundaes from McDonald's. You pull in. Can I have a hot fudge sundae? I'm sorry, sir. Our ice cream machine's down. How many times did that happen? Uh, that, that's a similar setup, okay? So that's probably what Jesus was thinking at that moment. Fig trees down, this is not good. Why is that important? It's important for us to be focused on the things that God has called us to be focused on. Let's look at Solomon's life. You know Solomon, wisest guy. First thing he says to God is, this is what I want. I want the wisdom to lead your people. God's thrilled with that, grants him that, and then later in his life, he ends up having 700 royal wives, 300 concubines, and he was warned from the get-go, because it was established before he was born, don't do that. Don't marry amongst other people because they will turn you away from me. And this is exactly what happened. He ends up setting up all kinds of shrines and temples for his wives to worship, and I mean, it you got to imagine, he, he set up a shrine for Moloch. And if you don't know who Moloch is, he's the god that people sacrifice their babies to. And we're talking about Solomon here. This is the wisest guy. He was talking to God. God says, hey, what do you want, Solomon? Ask me anything, and I'll give it to you. That's how close he was to God. And you see where he ended up. He lost his focus on God. That's a careful warning. Don't, don't get distracted. Don't have a squirrel moment from God. Good morning, church. It's an honor to speak to you this morning. The title of my message is, You Got Trouble? You Got Trouble? Kayla, you got any trouble? Don't answer. 
So for the next five minutes, I was going to talk about trouble. Uh, I remember growing up, I had, I had to write it down, it's so bad. I had one sister, three brothers, one half-brother, and four stepbrothers at, at a time, all living in the same house. Man, we had fun with trouble. It was always somebody else's fault. I'm telling mom on you. You wait and find out. When she gets home, you're in trouble. We, we played that game so often. It got kind of fun, you know. And uh, uh, when we get older, we still get in trouble. Just the trouble means a little more. It hurts a little more. It costs us a little more. And uh, I found it. I got good news, by the way. Um, I found a scripture in the Bible that kind of just can just get you out of trouble. Would you like to know what the scripture is? I'll tell you in a minute. Uh, uh, every possible trouble that you can get in can be overcome by this verse except for one. We're not going to talk about the one. Uh, the reality of this scripture is wrapped up in some basic truths. The Bible expects us to know some things. It, 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 when you read it, when you read, hear this verse, it's going to assume that you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. It's going to assume that. It's going to assume that uh, you understand that honesty is necessary, even if it's ugly. You're going to understand that repentance, if it's your fault, it's your fault. Just own it. Uh, you're going to understand that forgiveness is, when it's needed, you have to give forgiveness. So let's read the scripture. It's in Psalm uh, 34, verse 17. It should be behind me. It says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. I read that verse. I thought, really? Let me read it again. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. So I just, being the mind that I have, I, I start looking at the words. The righteous. Who's the righteous? Those that are born of his spirit. Us. If we're born again, we have the spirit of God living us in us. We are righteous according to God. So he expects us to understand that. He expects to know, us to know that when we pray, he hears us. Anybody ever wonder if he hears you? I can remember in the beginning, but really, we, we can be okay. We know that he hears us. Uh, it also says that he delivers us. You know, uh, to receive by faith, you're going to have to believe that he not only hears you, he delivers you by faith. Uh, maybe even before you see any sign of it. And then troubles. The, the, last, the biggest word in this verse is the righteous cry out. Would you like to know what that means? I had to look it up. I wanted to be sure. But every definition, I got 11 of them. I'm not going to bore you with all 11. But it, it says to utter a loud voice. Or it says uh, to call or utter a loud voice with earnest prayer, uh, request of prayer. There's also another definition that says uh, to utter a loud sound in distress or to proclaim in, in given public notice. You know, we, if we want this verse to work for us, we have to cry out. I was talking to a friend of mine, and he was telling me about how he lived underneath a bridge, and uh, it gets me because I think about living under a bridge. I, I can't imagine it in my mind, but he had done so for a while, and he said he got to a point where he just cried out, <laughs> and when he did, something changed. 
God started things in motion and things started to change for him. Uh, I don't know how I'm doing on my time, but uh, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of scripture that I could quote that support this. Uh, one of them I want to say, just mention briefly, if, you, if you're familiar with Psalm 91, it talks about how we set our affection on him and then everything after. It's got 16 verses, 14 through 16 are the key. God's speaking from himself. He's saying, uh, if you set your, your love on me, this verse would expect you to, to already have done that. So let me read the verse one more time. And I, I think if we'll learn to cry out to God, we can be free from things that trouble us. I'll read it one more time. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. Ain't it great? Good morning, church. How are y'all? I'm going to talk to y'all today about change can happen. Uh, But the verse I'm using is uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, uh, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Uh, I want to talk to you about the old man that I used to be. I used to be drug addicted for 15 years. I did meth, pills, suboxone, anything I could get high on. Uh, that led me down the path of destruction in my life. That uh, led me to being homeless, careless, hopeless. I didn't care who I hurt. I didn't care where I, where I got my next high or anything. I lost my jobs. Couldn't keep a job, couldn't support myself, let alone my loved ones and my family. And saying that, I come to a point where I was stranded in the middle of Kentucky for five days in a cabin that I broke into a cabin, wasn't, didn't know whose it was, where where I was at, or how I was gonna get home. And in that walk, on the side of the interstate, I cried out to God. And I asked him for the strength just to get me to the next stop so I could get a bottle or a drink of water. In the next 20 foot, I found a bottle of water laying on the side of the road. (laughs) And that's what brought me to Christ. And then when I got back to that cabin, I got on my phone and I watched my brother James Chadwick preaching. And I called him, and he come and got me right then and there. And that brought me here. That was two years ago. And now that I'm living for Christ, I've become a new creation. Everything that I do now is all new. That old man has passed away. I stand before you now as a new man, a child of God, and I'm proud to say that. The foundation of my old life was broken and shattered in pieces on the ground. When I come to Christ, I laid all that broken foundation at his feet. And he made it all new. Now that I have that foundation in my life, nothing will break that. 
and he is building it up into something beautiful. And I praise him every day for that, and I thank God for the life that I now have in him, through him, and for him. And that's all I have today. Thank you. Morning. Uh, title of my message today is "Why Not." You'll find uh, the verse in Luke one, verse thirty-seven. For with God, nothing will be impossible. I tell you, my story's not too much different than Matt's. You know, eight months ago, I got a call from my brother, and you know. Yeah, I guess, accepting a phone call and hearing his testimony about what God's done in his life gave me the strength to, you know, accept the help that was given to me. So I found myself from sleeping behind a dumpster a couple nights before that to sleeping in a warm bed. And in a short eight months, I've went from homeless to looking to buy my own home, all due to God and Christ, you know. A lot of other things have happened. I've avoided a prison sentence. I had active warrants when I came to Christ. You know, God turned the impossible possible for me. You know, I'm due to get kicked off of probation several years early next month. Uh, you know, I wasn't a very good father when I came to Christ. And again, the impossible become impossible. My daughter loves me. You know. She's an old heir to daycare. She's an active member of the church. She's always running around causing trouble. And I love every bit of it. You know. I guess the main thing I wanted to get across today that God put on my heart is how we can handle any problem or situation we find ourselves in if we just ask his help. So just why not do it? You know, it wasn't until the point that I started asking and truly believing that he would do it for me that anything changed in my life, you know. And I think once we overcome the things in our life that have been holding us back, we should share it with the world, be a light in the darkness, and show God's power to others. Thank you very much. Uh, good morning. Um, my scripture today was from 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It says, um, Behold what manner of love has the Father bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Um, I'm just going to focus on that part. That's, um, I have been a stay-at-home mom for about a year now, and usually I'm just tucking and rolling through the day. Um, but in the past year, a lot of, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to pull my notes up. In the past year, um, a lot of my prayer life has consisted of praying about my kids and my relationship with my kids and how do you want me to parent them, God? And um, one morning I was praying and I'm, what should I do to make them have a good day? What should I do to make them listen today? What should I do, God? What should I do to get these kids in line? And <laughs> he said, you don't do anything to make them a certain way. You be with them today. Um, and that was really profound for me. Um, I think 
if we're going to understand the, the father nature of God, we have to understand his, his design, his intent for us as his children. Um, Franny does not like to do schoolwork with me. She doesn't want to learn stuff from me in that way. And she's in preschool. She has her homework's optional. Um, it's just little worksheets. But she doesn't want to do it with me. And I want so bad for her to want to do it with me. <laughs> but she doesn't. And one night I was, I was trying to get her to do it with me. And she's like, can, can you just play with me? Can we play Barbies? Are we going to have time after this to play together? And it hit me. You know, you can meet a child's need and they'll survive their basic needs. But in order for a child to thrive, you need an engaged connection with them. And more than our father wants to teach us stuff, more than he wants to train us up in the way we should go, he wants that connection with us. Because if we don't have that, none of it matters. None of it matters to my kids if, they don't, if I don't engage them, if I don't meet them where they're at. Um, my two-year-old is a two-year-old Dilly. You guys know her. She goes into panic mode a lot. She's in trouble. She's scared. She's mad. She got hurt. She's usually running and hiding and screaming and, leave me alone. Um, I think we do that with God, too. We panic, and we run, and we want to hide, and we say, leave me alone, God. Just leave me alone. We're scared, and maybe he's going to yell at us or whatever we think is happening in that moment. And so what Will and I try to do if we, if we have the patience about us is we just go to the door wherever she's hiding every, every minute or so and say, you're safe and I love you. You're safe and I love you. And then every, every couple of times we'll say, you ready for a hug yet? And, uh, <laughs> um, you know, she'll calm down. She'll come out and she'll want to hug and she'll sit. Um, she'll calm down. That happened the other morning and about an hour later she said, Mom, I'm better because you're with me. Um, you know, it's easy for me to want to parent to maintain my comfort level. Don't, don't be so loud. Don't be so messy. Don't, don't be so uncooperative, you know. But God doesn't parent that way. He's not trying to change you or your situation to meet his comfort level. What he's trying to do is engage you in that connection and let you know I'm here with you through it. You're safe and I love you. Um, I think sometimes God is waiting until we accept the invitation into his presence before he wants to speak or change it for us. Just like we do with Dilia, you can, we wait for her to acknowledge our presence. That's what calms her. Um, I wonder if it would change the way we interact with God if we understood him to be a father who wants union and connection with us more than he wants to teach us or change something. Um, I think it would. I think, you know, we, we strive to understand God the Father. But I don't think we always understand his design of us as children. Um, you know, he's, God isn't concerned that you have a need for connection. He put that in you to bring him back to him. Um, he's, he's not as concerned about the thing that triggered that need for connection as he is that you seek him for that connection. That's what I got. Thanks, guys. Gracias, Señor, por este momento que me has dado hoy. My message is Jesus healed. Oops, heals. 
from Matthew 4.23. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Jesus spent a great deal of time going about healing people of physical and spiritual diseases during his three years of ministry. Jesus sent the apostles and disciples to heal as well. And he told us in John 14, 12, that most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. When Jesus ascended to be with the Father, he did not leave us to be orphans. He left us his Holy Spirit so we could be empowered to continue to do the things that Jesus did. I know that God is not a man that he should lie. And I know I worship the great I am, not the great I was. This word of ministry was given to me in a quiet time before the Lord about a month ago for the church. If you are willing, place your hearts and maybe even your hands in a position to receive it in Jesus' name. Heal my blind eyes so I may see you. May my vision be clear. May wisdom and understanding come. Heal my deaf ears, Lord. Let me hear you clearly. May I have ears that hear, that listen intently to what you're saying. And may my will change to be obedient to your calling. Heal my mute tongue, O Lord. May I boldly proclaim your majesty and wonder. May my words be pure and life-giving. May your praises ever be on my lips. Cancel the curses I've spoken with or without knowledge of their impact. Heal my lameness, Lord, so I may walk uprightly before you. May my feet follow the straight and narrow path you've set before me, neither swaying to the left nor to the right, but firmly rooted and planted and determined to follow you wherever you would lead me. Heal my paralysis, O Lord. Take away all my fears and grant me boldness and courage. Let me rest in the knowledge that the battle belongs to the Lord, and in you I have victory. I will see my giants fall and the enemy flee before me. Heal me of epilepsy, O Lord. May I not be shaken because of my circumstances, but let your presence shake me in my atmosphere. Let your light so pierce the darkness around me as it ruptures and it fades away. Heal my barrenness, Lord. Grant me the ability to be fruitful in my labor for you and for others. Let those things I do have an impact on eternity. Let me prosper in doing good. Heal my land. Grant that my home be a place of peace and relationships therein and outside of it find restoration. Let love abound always and the Prince of Peace dwell with me. Heal my mind. May my thoughts be pleasing to you that I should have the mind of Christ. Lastly, Lord, heal my heart of its wounds that I may not wound others. Increase my capacity to fully love and engage with others as Jesus did. Good morning. All right, well, the title of uh, my script, my message is uh, Pricey Patience. 
And the scripture I'm using is James 1, 2, and 3. And um, it says, uh, brethren, to count it all joy. Count it all joy when you fall into trials and tribulations. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Well, let's take a look at that word for a second, patience. The definition of patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. The thing that sticks out to me in that definition is suffering. We know in the Bible that it actually says that Jesus learned through suffering. That means it, it's going to cost you something. You know, um, us sometimes as believers, we just want our problems just to go away. When things, hard times, struggles, trials, tribulations come our way, we want to hide from them. Or we want to run from them. But see, the thing that it's, it's telling us is that the problem is not around you. The problem is in you. And instead of finding a way around the problem, we need to look to find the way through the problem. And it's, you can't see it in my notes, Peter, but the first way in my notes is, is lowercase. The second way through the problem is capitalized. See, what Jesus is saying is that, listen, I'm here to take you deeper. I'm here to take you further. I'm not going to leave you where you're at. Even when you come to Christ, he's willing. Man, we're going further. There's more to do. This is just the beginning. As I found myself in difficult situations, guys, and I began to question my very... Uh, um, uh, belief or who I am or my nature, my identity in God. See, that's what the enemy wants to do. And sometimes, listen, Paul talked about it in Romans 7. This guy dealt with a very difficult situation. He writes to the church and says, man, I, I, I do the things that I don't even want to do and the things that I want to do, I don't do them. This is a believer. You, you ever been there? Well, I think James is kind of give us an answer uh, to, the, to this problem here, a solution. He's saying, listen, be patient. Because we serve a God that never, never leaves, never forsakes, never gives up. All we have to do is keep going forward. I, I know this song that says, take one step closer, put one foot in front of the other. And you ask me, well, what, man, what, what if I can't? Listen to the song. It's got an answer for that, too. Yeah. When you can't walk, hold on. Hold on to the way. There is a way. Hold on to Jesus. Thank you.
Dude, I thought you were going to start singing. Uh, Put one step in front of the other. And soon we'll be. No? Okay. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> so, hey, awesome job, everyone. Especially ELO guys. Great job. I have the opportunity to share with you today the ripe stuff. The other day, I had the opportunity to hear my son-in-law and my wife talk about the joys of avocados. I don't, exactly. So they were talking about how it's a little brown. We can still use them. Dude, are you kidding me? They're already green. It's turned, it turned brown. What, usually brown things we throw away, right? Or flush. I won't go any farther than that, okay? All right? Instead of that, you can have a nice, shiny apple like this here. That's, isn't that the ripe stuff, right? Let's talk about sweet potatoes, okay? Just think about that, okay? Sweet potatoes, they're red. They're like coming straight from hell. I mean, come on. Does it take a rocket scientist to see that, all right? And what about a regular potato? It's white, angelic. I mean, Come on, you have to really start saying, am I really a Christian if I'm eating sweet potatoes? Come on, all right? You're almost like those Nikes. Give me those Satan shoes, right? All right? If you haven't seen that yet, it's well, anyway. So, so or, or you can sit there and say, how about some Reese cups or some ice cream? Dude, I'm up for that. Of course, I ended up going to uh, the doctor, and he said I had diabetes. Well, because, you know, they're like Lay's potato chips. You just can't eat six, all right? <laughs> so I had to cut back on those, all right? Instead, I had a glass of water. Well, a glass of water, it's bland or whatever. But you know what? A glass of water is better. What am I getting to? You have the opportunity every day to pick the ripe stuff. Can I tell you today, as it says in Joshua uh, 1.9, it says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It says, so if, you know, I like Pastor Mike, he says every time God asks a question, he's not looking for an answer. He already has the answer. Can someone say amen to that? So he's not saying, so he's saying, have I not commanded you? Oh, yes, he's commanded you. That's what he's saying. He's saying be strong today and of good courage because if you're not, then you're going to be afraid. Then you're going to be dismayed. Who wants to live like that? Make the right choice today. Can I, whew, hallelujah, can I tell you today that uh, there, there's depression. You can choose that today and you'll get the fruit of that. Or you can choose Hope. How many wants to trust in hope today? Whew, hallelujah. Can someone say amen to that? Or you would rather have depression, okay? Or, or you can be self-loathing today. Or may, maybe you don't have that issue. You sit there and say, oh, you know, uh, you know, uh, I, I was this and I was that. I made these bad decisions. Uh, I'm fat. I'm ugly. I got big ears. I got a big nose. I know I do. That's okay, all right? But at the end of the day, do I self-loathe or do I love One more thing. Do I despair or do I trust? Hmm. For you see, despair, the only way, my friend, that you are despaired is you don't have Jesus with you. 
Can someone say amen to that? Because when he's in, oh, hallelujah, when he's in the building, everything changes, right? So don't despair. And if you do, you have to recognize, Aaron, that, that something else is trying to get you to say that. God's not sitting there going, hey, Amy, you're really, you're really depressed today, aren't you? No, that's just the devil. Get thee behind me, Satan. Can someone say amen, hallelujah? I'm going to believe in him, and he's told me, Woo! If I'll just trust in him, all things will be okay. Make the ripe choice today. Choose him. And listen to the commandment. I'll say it one more time and I'll finish. Have I not commanded you? Be strong. Be of good courage. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. They're not together. Make the ripe choice. Amen. Would you stand to your feet with me? A number of years ago, I was traveling. And um, as is typical when I travel, the vehicle's quiet. I was by myself. And I was up in the mountains and... I rounded a corner, and I'd, I'd been talking to the Lord about some things, but as I rounded the corner, I, I looked out over this field, and, and it was a, a field of wheat, and I've never seen a field that large. It literally looked like it went to the horizon, and it just was just massive, and it was the time of the year when they're harvesting wheat, and I, what, what shocked me is... In the middle of that field was a combine, and I, I know the combine was big. You know how big those are. It was a, a huge combine, but you took that big combine, and you put it in that one combine in the middle of that field. It looked like it was lost. And the Lord, in that moment, he said to me, I don't have enough laborers. Do you know that's the only prayer request I can find in Scripture that God ever asked us to pray for him about? It's the only one. Throughout the word, he's telling us, come to me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Come to me, although your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. If you're tired, come to me. If you're lost, come to me. But there's one time that I know of where he said, Pray that I'd have more workers. I, I, I'm thankful for the people that shared their heart today. Uh, Shane and, and, and Matt was their first time. I told them how proud I was of them, that they overcame whatever to stand up here. The truth of the matter is, all of us are called to be witnesses. Every single one of us are called to be witnesses in our life. And I just, I'm, I'm just going to do what the Lord has told me to do. I want to pray over you that you have a greater desire to be a witness for him. Father, I just come to you now in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you for the word that's been shared from the hearts of these that have shared today. But I also now pray for everybody, God, whether they be watching us live on television or, or their, their iPad or their phone or they're here at present. I pray for an a, a uplifting of people that will help you in the harvest that lays before us. Father, I pray that your church would not become distracted with 
with, with stupid, vain arguments. And that's, let's not forget the main point, and that is to be witnesses, God. So I pray for a burden and a desire, Father, in all of our hearts, a fire, God, that we would share you with others. Father, I'll be honest with you. I'm, if I don't have a heart to share you, I'm not sure I have you. When, you, when, when I think of what you've done in my life and how good you've been to me, God, I can't but help tell somebody else. I pray for a greater burden for that, God, for all of us, myself included. And I thank you, Father, for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. That's our special guest speaker today at Encounter. All of our guest speaker messages can be downloaded from our website, godenc.com. Messages from Bishop Michael Rice are freely available on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter. We are-